Yeah! It's the five, two, podcast. That's right. We're back. It's the five tool podcast coming at you Saturday, February 22nd, 2020. Baseball is in the air. Spring training games have been played the last two days. All pitchers and catchers have reported. Brewers got rained out today, but they'll be back in action tomorrow. We got baseball on TV on Monday. Black Josh, you good? I'm good. Seamus, you good? Yeah, boys. No killer Kyle in the house tonight, but we have a big special guest from the Miller Park Minute giving you a Brewer season preview today. Eric Agnew. Eric, you good? Can you hear me now? We can hear you. Ah, <laughs> uh, it worked. Awesome. Yeah, we started out with some spe- some technical difficulties with Eric, but we got him here on the line, ready to talk some baseball. And uh, Eric, give us a rundown. What do you got going on with the Miller Park Minute at the moment? I noticed you've been very active on social media, bringing out videos, bringing out info. What do you got? Yeah, so um, right now I am uh, about to air, uh, coming in the next 24 hours, give or take. Uh, the, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, and I think tonight we're going to talk in depth a little bit more about the fact that the Brewers operated at a financial loss. This is a hot topic for me. I'm a little heated on it. And then I also have, uh, it's going to be a couple part series coming up about Rob Manford, everybody's favorite commissioner of the league. Yeah, seems like with Madford, nobody is on his side right now. Everybody's saying he's like the worst commissioner in baseball, that he's just a mess. And the way he's done this whole sign-stealing scandal is is not right. So about the Manford thing, just real quick, it's funny. Nobody was nobody was saying at first that, that he didn't handle the, the sign-stealing scandal right until after players started to come out. What do you think about that? Um, anytime a, a commissioner of a major sport refers to its biggest the trophy as a hunk of metal in a live recorded interview that every fan of the sport probably saw um yeah that guy no longer has a position as a commissioner in my eyes yeah i mean i completely agree you don't i mean what is when it's the biggest trophy when it's the goal for every team in baseball to be going for that the the commissioner kind of defames the trophy it does it is kind of alarming but i'm just what interests me is that when he gave the five-year or the five million dollar punishment, when he gave the suspensions out and all that, it seemed like nobody really. Everyone thought that maybe he was even going a little harsh on teams. But then players started to, to speak out, and different media outlets started to speak about speak out, and that's the reason Manfred's been having these conversations lately. So it just kind of seems odd that after all the players started speaking, that now everyone all of a sudden agrees that like Manfred handled this wrong. Because initially, I. I thought it was fairly acceptable, but I never thought that it was okay. I mean, I, I never thought it was plausible to, to punish the players. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think well, I think the way the Astros organization just handled it in general, I mean, Jim Crane, you know, got caught talking out of both sides of his mouth. Jose Altuve, uh, that guy's got more stories than, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable the amount of just... They're running their mouths. They're, I mean, I get that these guys are some of the greatest players in the game, but they're 
they're not doing themselves any favors by talking. Right. And they should have thought better or prepared. You know, this is almost like going into a political debate. They should be way more prepared to speak to the media and to address this and to handle it in a professional manner. And I just don't think they are. So I think that's where everyone's like, well, they should be, you know, banned. And I, I'm on that bandwagon too. Take the trophy away. Take the MVP away. Take take it away at this point because they're not they're not bowing their heads and, and shame. They're defending themselves and being cocky. But just from a player's perspective, I mean, the punishments have been been given out. There's nothing that's going to happen to players. So if you're Jose Altuve, if you're you know Josh Reddick, George Springer, you don't have anything to lose right now. Like, if you're them, right? Exactly. They're not going to lose the fanfare. They're not going to stop selling jerseys. They're going to get booed everywhere they go. But that's going to happen either way. So from their perspective, I, I'm not saying it's okay. But from their perspective, it's like. What, are, what does it matter if they prepare for an interview and say all the right things at this point? Because they got away with it, unfortunately. Right, right. And that's... Well, and it sounds like it came down to the fact that they leveraged the players' organization and uh, the union against the organization of the Astros and basically gave the players immunity. And that's... I think they're in the problem. They didn't get the information without the players cooperating. Yeah, and they that's why they're untouchable. They, and they knew that going into it, so that's why they have the attitude and why they're as cocky as they are, you know? Yeah, and that yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing too, is because teams weren't properly notified. The, so the so the MLB the MLB, you know, gave these rules, but if but they left it in the hands of the teams to notify players, and if the players weren't properly notified, which they can argue that they weren't, there's really nothing you can do. So even if Manfred tried punishing these players they would have they would have won the the arbitration for that as well and it would have just made Manfred look like a fool it was a losing battle for Manfred no matter what and he's just making himself look even worse by defaming the trophy so it was all handled wrong from day one even because because now we're finding out that players knew about this long before anyone was even caught and they didn't say anything right so it's a big mess, but the the one good thing that I think about this whole thing is that at least people were talking about baseball all winter long, which isn't normally the case. If that could be considered a good thing. But, right. anyways, um, I want to get into what you mentioned earlier about the Brewers and Mark Adonacio stating that the Brewers operated in a loss, and that's why they don't seem to want to spend money right now. Um, i I'm not sure what everyone's take is going to be on this. I have an idea, but Eric, I'm going to start with you. Uh, and I got some facts and figures, but I want to hear your thoughts first. What do you think about Mark Adonacio's statement that the Brewers operated in a loss in nineteen or 2019? Uh, I think it's, I think it's crap. I think it's an excuse to pull close to the vest. Maybe, maybe they do have some numbers, and maybe there are some facts and factors and and things that. You know, they built the stadium, Springs training facility. They they've done renovations to Miller Park every year. Maybe they're they're kissing their interest all in one season. I don't know. Maybe they're they're writing off the stadiums. You know, the financial stuff. I get that kind of thing. But maybe maybe just maybe they need to not flat out come out and say, "Yeah, we lost money." No, you didn't. You wouldn't have operated at a loss. You would have found a way to move money around to make 
make a win. They've operated uh, every year since Mark Antonazio. If you go back and look at Forbes, they've made money. They've made a lot of money. He brought the, oh God, I can't remember the exact number. You probably have these numbers. But I think he brought the team from a, like a $1 billion franchise to a 1.7 or something like that. I mean, I can't believe that he, being a financial guy, being a businessman, having billionaire investors, you know, I can't believe that he would potentially operate the team at a loss and not use it as a media justification. You know, and the, my defense of this and where I come in hitting home is not many people fan-wise care to look into the numbers. They'll read what TMJ puts out there or Adam McKelvey tweets out or what's put out there. They won't go into the Forbes. You know, last year I did a really hugely debated video talking about how they could afford Bryce Harper, they could afford you know some of the bigger name free agents because last year was the year with the holdout and people hated on me for it because they believe the hype I'm not one to believe the hype I don't believe that a small market team can't operate on a contract, I don't believe that they can't sign the Christian Yelich for $30 million a season I don't I want to. But that's that. That's I guess that's just my my feelings, and you know they can move a little money around. The if you look at the Forbes report, the Brewers have a very low debt ratio. They could make that higher and borrow some money against their property and their equity, and they can make it work. I want to kiss you on the lips right now, Eric. I'm completely with you. I never buy into the notion that teams can't compete just because they're a quote-unquote small market and they have a, a lesser TV deal than the L.A.s and the New Yorks. And the figures that I've, that I've taken down in regards to this topic, opening day payroll is going to be 20% plus lower than it was this time last year. Um, in 2016, the operating income and net, well, the net profit was $58.2 million. 2017, that was up to $67 million. 2018, that was $66 million in profit. 2019, they haven't given out those figures. And that's the thing about baseball. They don't give out all the figures when it comes to the entire operating costs, their ad revenue from billboards to the stadium to sales in jerseys and hot dogs and everything and parking and all that. Um, so the Maryvale upgrade last year was $60 million. Uh, the Miller Park upgrade, which wasn't a whole lot, but it, the, the numbers we got were around $10 million. And when I crunched all these numbers, and plus we've been adding in attendance every year. We're almost to 3 million people a year in attendance. So then right. when, when I crunched all the numbers from the articles that I've read, we were $5 million under. So that's what Mark Adonacio was referring to in the red, was they lost $5 million. For a, a $1.7 billion industry, and, and that is Brewers Baseball, $5 million is less than a drop in the bucket. So if they were $5 million below, that doesn't mean anything. In the last three years alone, they've netted, they've profited $191 million. So $5 million to that is a fraction of a percent. You're completely right, Eric. <laughs> he's going in an interview saying we operated in a loss that was a, a, essentially a nickel to you or me. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so that's just him making excuses why he didn't make all these signings and 
and he wasn't allowing Stearns to make the deals he was probably trying to make and why he had to finagle to sign Josh Lindblom, which I'm okay with the roster where it's at, and we'll get into the roster, but Me too. I completely agree. Like, There's no reason that we can't sign a Bryce Harper or we can't pay Christian Yelich after next year. But I want to get everyone else's thoughts. Seamus, your thoughts on the, the, the quote that Adonacio had about operating in a loss? I'm just getting sick of hearing about it. That's my thoughts. Um, whether they did, whether they didn't, I don't know. All I know, the only thing that I do know for certain, regardless of whatever article you read, is that they went into the off season and cut payroll. And you read articles about that that normally are going along with the whole we operated at a loss thing. And at the end of it, you've got Aunt Nazio saying, you know, we we cut payroll, but that doesn't mean we're still opposed to spending money. You know, we we save money coming out of the off season, and if if we find somebody that a player that's worth it around the trade deadline, we're not opposed to spending money at that time to make a deal go through. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know who's trying to prove what to who. I just. I just know that our payroll budget, our roster payroll budget, is less now than it was last year. That's the one thing that I know of for certain. Yeah, and it's by a significant margin. And the only the only way we can excuse this is like if they're saving to pay Yelich next year or something. Like if maybe they maybe they actually are going to make a move on him, but I I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion that like we have Yelich for this short period of time and then he's going to be gone. Black Josh, I want to get your thoughts on the, the Adonacio take about operating in the red. I mean, in, being in the red is in the red as far as I'm concerned. It don't matter if it's in there by one fucking dollar. You're still in the red. So you can say that you were operating in the red. Does it really make a difference in the long run? No. But, you know, if he wants to say I'm operating in the red, let him fucking say it. Who cares? Yeah, and like Eric alluded to, I mean, it's misleading. Yeah. If it's $5 in the red, yeah, then the entire state of Wisconsin is going to be like, oh, the Brewers just can't compete with the Yankees and the Cubs and the That's Dodgers. That's all it is. It's just an excuse yeah. for not spending money. That's all it is. Yeah, it's. I think it's just a misleading way of him trying to excuse not not paying players or not, not trying to make the big moves. I mean, they didn't sign Eric Thames. You know, like these, these small deals. They, they didn't want to pay Josh, Josh Hader another $2 million. They took him to arbitration. Like, what do you think of that, Eric? Like, why why wouldn't you just pay the guy the extra two million dollars to make him feel comfortable? Right, and and you know the the thing that Taylor even said, and I was going to do a video on this, and I don't think enough people get arbitration to really make it matter. But the the thing that Hater even said is it's just an, it's out of date system. It's not relevant anymore. They judge statistics that aren't even really as useful as they used to be because pitchers are used in totally different ways, especially bullpen arms. And yeah, I think that it maybe, you know, hater looked good in front of the cameras. I don't know if you guys watch all the clips like I do, but hater looked good in front of the cameras. He said what he needed to say. He nodded his head. He was professional about it, but you know, that, that sticks with a guy, you know, you don't think Chris Bryant, when they come to the table, uh, after losing his, you know, case for the whole additional year of free agency and all that, 
You don't think those guys are going to come to the table and have a, a more stern approach of what they're willing to take at the table? Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's like if you were up for a raise at work and they said, oh, we're not going to give you a raise this year, but we still want you to perform at the same level that you've been performing at and show up to work every day. I get it it's different with baseball because you could just go somewhere else and make that money, and that will, that's likely what will happen with Hater. but of course that's going to stick with them. These are human beings. They're not pawns on a chessboard. They have feelings, and they want to be paid worth their value. And, yeah, saves aren't what defines a reliever these days anymore, especially in Josh Hader's case because he wasn't necessarily meant to be the closer. And just because he didn't have 50 saves doesn't mean he wasn't the best reliever in the National League because he got the award for best reliever in the National League. So, And it was a difference of $2.3 million. Yeah, he lost the case, but it didn't. I don't think it needed to go there. I don't even think they needed to have the arbitration case if they would have just paid him the extra 2.3. Because what did they... What, they went and signed Sogard? Like... You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like that's that's where that money went was to pay Eric Sogard, and yeah, he'll probably make an opening day roster. He'll probably be starting on opening day, but I think we'd all feel more comfortable if we had a higher caliber talent manning third base. So, anybody have any other thoughts on the uh, the operating in the red? No. Nope. All right, moving on. So, this is our 2020 season preview for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, we'll, we just looked at last year at 2019, so now I want to look ahead at 2020. Um, we have a very different roster than we did last year. It's, it amounts to about 13 different players than we had at opening day last year, which is a, pretty much half the opening day roster. So, I kind of want to get everybody's take on each facet of the game, being the bullpen, the starting rotation, and the lineup. And I want, to, I want everyone to give a letter grade and strength and weaknesses. So we're going to go around the table and, and discuss those different facets of the game. So I, I put together what I think is going to be the projected starting lineup for the Brewers come opening day. And I'll, I'll give you kind of my take on it and then we'll go around. So I think one through eight is going to be Eric Sogard. Number two, Lorenzo Cain. Number three, Christian Yelich. Number four, Keston Hira. Number five, Ryan Braun playing first base. Six, Omar Narvaez. Seven, Avisel Garcia. And eighth, Orlando Arcia because Arias is hurt and he probably won't make opening day. So. What about nine? Nine would be pitcher. Pitcher spot. So I think Woody's yeah. going to start opening day, but I just want to do the lineup first. So I want, to give a, I want everyone to give a grade. My grade on that lineup. And I crunched some numbers, so I did an average war between 1 through 8, and that, that puts our wins above replacement between all those players at a 2.5. That's nothing to write home about. That's a collective batting average of 283 and a collective OPS of 830, which is actually a very respectable number. I would give that a, a B-, minus. I'd say, as a lineup. I think that's a respectable lineup. I think it's a lineup that will... There's enough home run hitters there. There's enough guys who get on base... There's not a whole lot of speed on the base paths in that lineup, but I think it's a respectable lineup, but I don't think it's going it's to, it's not as good as opening day last year. Eric, what do you think of that projected lineup, or do you think there's any changes that you think I may have gotten wrong? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, oh my gosh, call me short side, what? Did you have Brock Holt in that uh, projected lineup? Not for opening day. No, I didn't. But actually, Not that's for a good, opening day. Okay. That's a good that's point. That's the only one thing that I don't know 
you know, the the use of a lot of these guys, I think, is is so questionable. Where I, I agree with you, I think they're going to play everybody that you said, um, you know, and I think we're going to see the, uh, you know, the, the the splits, you know, Ryan Braun or Smoke or you know, depending on the lineup and depending on the day. But I think that one for opening day is is dead nuts, um, with the maybe exception of Eric Sogard. Um, I would say it is a B. I would say it's a solid B range. Um, we don't know how a lot of these guys are going to handle the Miller Park um, dimensions with the bat. Uh, there's some there's some potential, some upside um, with new players, obviously coming to the ballpark. Narvaez, Davisil Garcia, um, Kane Yelich. Keston Hura, Orlando Arcia. I think we already know what to expect from those guys. I don't think I've seen anything that's that's made Arcia that much better. I think Ryan Braun is going to play at about Ryan Braun pace. So overall, yeah, it's it's a, it's a solid B B lineup. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to be you know coming in firestorm. It's not like we made any major splashes. You know, we made some some good adjustments here, but nothing crazy. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, B, B minus B. I think we're gonna, we are gonna have some surprises, and I kind of want to get your take on that. What do you think is the strengths of this lineup, and what do you think are the the major weaknesses? Um, I think we do have some youth that we we have there, kind of in the wings. You know, Urias. We don't know that he's if he's gonna be ready. Uh, we still got Keston. Keston's got a lot of good upside. Avisil, if he can get his game, you know, he was offensively, you know, right after Crandall uh, last year. So, I mean, that's that's huge. Um, Ryan Braun, uh, position-wise, I don't know that it's going to be the best position at first base for him. But, you know, what are you going to do with the, with the pieces that we did add? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to have Braun in the lineup. You just have to. Right. You can't go without Brian Braun. I mean, he's been your your franchise for the last decade. And he had a very good year last year. So if he can somehow continue that 285 pace, I mean, he had a good amount right. of home runs. He he was a very clutch player for us again last year. It was kind of like the renaissance of his career. It was like make or break last year. And now we've decided if he can continue on that, he's just as important of a, a piece as we've ever had. What would you say our biggest weakness is? Um, Arcia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, right. He's the only guy. Who I, I was looking at. So I'm, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Uh, I was looking at Sogard and Arcia, but I still think Sogard's got a little upside. He played a little better outside of the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, hopefully, that'll transfer into the Milwaukee Brewers and not not go back to where he was with us because I think he was a better player outside the Milwaukee Brewers than he was inside the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, it's funny. And Arcia has just, you know, I watch watch the videos and the clips that they do on their social media, and I'm sure you guys all see them. It doesn't, you know, appear to me that Arcia ever takes the game seriously or spring training seriously. You know, does he not realize he could, he's so young that it, really cash in on this great game of baseball and make millions of dollars a year if he just put his head down and went to work and got his back going? 
Yeah, he's kind of a mystery to me because he's got all the defensive talent. We've seen him. We've seen him in like hot streaks where he just looks even. He looks clutch at the plate, but the way he slaps the ball, it's like he's getting lucky when he finally does get a hit. And yeah, he's clearly a fun clubhouse guy that the guys really love, and he's he's always the last at the end of the gauntlet, giving the guy the hug, and he's a super supportive teammate. But yeah, it makes you wonder if he's really taking the game seriously. Um, I want to move on to Seamus. What do you think of that lineup? Do you think there's any things I may have gotten wrong? Do you think Holt's going to play instead of Stogard? What do you think of the potential lineup that I brought up? Um, I do think Holt will start on opening day. I said that on Wednesday. Um, where you slot him, I don't know. I, I think he... I, I think he has what it takes to be a leadoff because, I mean, he's not going to be a middle-of-the-lineup middle guy. He's not going to be, you know, one of your three, four, and five guys. Um, I think he does have what it takes to, to be able to play the leadoff in, in the batting order. Um, I do agree it's probably about a BB-plus plus batting order. Um, I... Uh, like I said, I, I think I think the acquisition of Holt makes Sogard expendable. Um, I do like the fact that we are a lot deeper. We do have more options, depending on how spring shakes out and you know where everybody ends up. Um, I I see this this Brewer team. Just looking at the depth chart now, now with Holt in it being able to play everywhere, is it is a quietly dis, it's 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 quietly and deceptively good. I I think it is going to I think the the team is going to surprise people. Um, I don't believe the the pundits and the talking heads that say we're going to finish fourth. Um, am I ready to say where I think we're going to finish? Not quite. The spring, I mean, the spring just started. And the Brewers, they were supposed to play today, but they didn't. So we don't even know what these guys look like out on the field in a game situation. So I'm not quite ready to say where I think they'll end up at the end of the year. But I, I, like, I like this lineup. I like it in all of its various configurations. And... I see it being formidable every time the Brewers take the field. Good take, good take. Black Josh, I want to move it over to you. What do you think of the projected lineup that I had written down? Do you think there's anything that I may have gotten wrong? And what kind of grade would you give this lineup? Uh, I, I'm going to agree with everyone else on the solid B for the lineup. Um, the only thing I probably am going to change would say is I don't think Braun's going to start at first base. No, not an opening. I don't think so. I'm, I'm not saying he won't ever play first base, but I don't think they're going to start him at first. I just I, I just don't see that happening. Um, other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty accurate as far as I'm concerned. I'm looking at the uh, Fangraphs projected starting lineup right now, and I don't know. They're they're saying Solgard's going to start at third. I don't even know if that's going to happen. But who knows? They might maybe they'll start Holt that third. That's kind of what Chris is he's a, alluding to. I feel like he's yeah, he's a utility player, right? More yeah, yep. he can play anywhere. Yep. 
So yeah, so I'd say let's I'd say put Holt on third, have him bat first, then pretty much the same lineup you had other than um, I want to see Smoke at first instead of uh, instead of Brawny. Yeah, Smoke has this home run potential for Miller Park that like we're gonna see it and we're gonna we're gonna see what happens because he's gonna get some reps there. Bronze never plays every day for any season. He's just not that player anymore, and never really has been. I'd say and. It's it's a lot. Of, spring is going to take care of a lot of these issues. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see, they're gonna see what what these guys can do. And I believe it or not, I think Ryan Healy is going to be a part of this team this year. I think he's going to be on the roster, and I think he's going to make a some sort of splash where we're going to see him more often than not. He has a hard hit ball ratio very similar to Mike Mustakis. So if he can if he can hit at the major league level and get the get the hard hits that he's capable of doing. And if his defense is, is serviceable, I think we might be seeing some Ryan Healy out at third base. And we also, um, God, who's the guy we got from the Cardinals? I'm sorry. Jerko. Jed Jerko. We, I mean, we still haven't even seen what Jed Jerko can do in the Brewers uniform. So it'll be interesting to see this lineup. I, I think of the Brewers very much like the Rays are to the AL. They plug in players, they have a great system, they have a great winning culture, and somehow, no matter who they plug in there, they manage to be successful in one of the tougher divisions in the American League. So I kind of consider us like the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays of the National League. Um, did we sign Healy to a minor league deal? I think he's a minor league deal. With an invite to spring training? He had an invite, yep. Okay. Yep. Because they have, because Fangraphs has him as a minor leaguer. Yeah, yeah, he was, I believe he was signed, yeah, with an invite, that's right. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about the projected rotation. Now, I, I put together five just because that's a standard you know, five-day rotation in baseball, but obviously we have so many potential suitors, pun intended, who could start in, in this team. So we're probably going to have like a six-man rotation, and there's going to be people going in and out, much like the Rays, much like the Brewers have been in recent years. Um, so my one through five, Brandon Woodruff, number one, Adrian Hauser, number two, Brett Anderson, number three, Josh Lindblom, number number four, and Eric Lauer, number five. Um, Eric, I want to get your take on that. Give me a grade on that starting rotation. Give me any changes that you think, and I want strengths and weaknesses. Um, I would give that – I mean, I, I don't think, you know, it's as formidable as it started last year. I would say it's probably – I'd say a B-minus to a C-plus. Um, just on the fact that um, – yeah, you know, we've we've made we've made some definite changes, and we're trying to change for the better. But last year, we also had two start the season. Now I know he tanked, but we had Jolie Chassin out there on on opening day, and he looked like gold. He looked like we struck lightning in a bottle. So these players aren't players that have pitched with us. Or I mean. Most of our rotation has never pitched an inning for us, so we'll see how they do in a Brewers uniform. Um, one guy that I kind of would like to see in the rotation, and this is just a personal, I think Brent Suter is an animal, and I'd like to see him in place of maybe Lauer. Um, but otherwise, I like I like what we're rolling out there. You know, I know we'll we'll do the same thing we always do. Somebody will go down, and we'll we'll slot in one of the other guys, whether it be Suter, Freddie Peralta, Burns, or you know whoever it may be. Maybe we'll see some young guy come up from the minors. We don't know. 
you know, that those pieces always fall in later. But I like where, where we're starting the season. I like what we're, we're putting on paper to start the season, what we're going to roll out. I like the fact that they were going to roll out Josh Lindblom today to get that first look. You know what I mean? Get that first exposure. Now, I'm assuming we'll probably see him tomorrow, you know, if they play the game tomorrow, if the weather allows. So, and I want to see a lot of these guys in spring training. I think without seeing them, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't got to have a super great grasp on it. My other question goes back at you is, uh, are the balls juiced this year or did they switch them back? Um, I think they almost got to keep them juiced. I mean, it would be, <laughs> it's hard to say because they took them away again in the postseason, but it's like, it caused some stir. It, it caused Pete Alonso to break the rookie record. Like, I think you got to keep them juiced at this point. They're trying to make the game more exciting and I don't know what, I don't know why they juice the balls, but it seemed to be effective in some ways. It brought the strikeouts up, but it also brought the dingers up. So I think the balls continue to be juiced personally. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm so excited for this rotation. And like you said, it's not just going to be five guys. It's going to be a collection of probably eight or nine total throughout the year starting games, if not more. I'm so waiting to see Josh Lindblom pitch because he was so good in Korea, and I can't wait for that. If it's tomorrow, I'm I'm going to be obviously we can't watch the game, but I'll be listening and I'll be very excited to to hear what kind of results we get out of Josh Lindblom. I think our our pitching, our starting pitching, is completely underrated. Woodruff is going to be vying for a Cy Young this year, I think. I think he's going to be in the top ten for Cy Young voting. Adrian Hauser was so good last year. I think he continues that dominance. Brett Anderson was a very formidable pitcher last year with the Oakland Athletics, and I think he'll do very well in a Brewers uniform. We haven't seen much of Eric Lauer, and obviously we haven't seen any of Josh Lindblom in the last three years in the major leagues. But Freddie Peralta has made a huge improvement, it sounds like, in the Dominican leagues. He was just a stud in the winter leagues. Um... People, I saw an article saying Corbin Burns is going to be a dark horse Cy Young candidate. I don't know. I know he developed a slider as well, but I'm excited to see that because he's still young. Wait, who? Corbin Burns. Oh. Okay. Um. So I'm I'm excited to see what what he's come up with because he's still young too. Those two are just still so young, and they the ceiling's so <laughs> high for those guys. And I'm very excited. And like you said, Brent Suter has been nothing but awesome for us. Like he deserves a. I think he just as much as anyone deserves a spot in the starting rotation, and he throws guys off with how quick he works. I give this, I give the rotation a B plus. I'm not going to go as high as an A minus, and I'm, I know I'm being like overly excitable about this, but that's the one thing I'm looking to forward to more than anything this year is our pitching. Um, Seamus, I'm going to send it over to you. What do you think of the rotation, and what do you, what are your strengths and weaknesses in a grade? Um, I. I like I like the rotation that you you proposed. Um, I think our rotation, just like our depth chart, our, our 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 batting order and our defense, I think it has a potential to be deceptively good compared to what everybody is saying about the chances. Um, I'd I'd like to see. I'd like to see the kids get another shot. You know, I'd like to see Freddie get another, you know, Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns last year, we, they, they, we put so much on them. And 
I don't know if it was 100% fair, because if you, if you recall, Butch, you and I, when we started this last year, when you and I started this last year, one of our very first shows, we had talked about those two kids and how the how we thought the pressure was going to affect them and how they would deal with it. And having come within one game of the World Series two years ago, I think there was a lot of pressure on those two kids last year. Um, I'd like to see them come into this year without as much pressure on them. I, I want to see them succeed. But overall, overall, I'm agreeing with you. I, 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 I think it's going to be a really good starting rotation. Right on, right on. Uh, Black Josh, your thoughts on the rotation? Um, yeah, I, I give, we'll give it a B minus, just because there's a lot of question marks yet as to who's gonna, you know, how people are gonna perform. I'm sure Woody's gonna be just fine. He's been fucking damn near lights out for you know for us last year and whatnot when he wasn't hurt. But uh, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with Eric and I, I say I think that uh, Brent Suter should definitely be in the starting rotation. Just even a, even after coming back from his Tommy John, he looked fucking phenomenal. Yeah, he, I think he deserves a, a starting rotation spot. Um, but I am okay with him coming out of the bullpen too. I think it might be good for him, but. Um, for sure, Peralta and Burns are both going to get their chance. Somehow, some way, they're going to get their chance to to prove their starting rotation worthy. Um, but I think I think your starting lineup was pretty much dead on. I don't. I have no clue who Eric Lauer is. Like I literally didn't even know about him until just now. Yeah, he came he came over in that Zach Davies deal from San Diego. Yeah, we don't know what to expect last year at a four forty five ERA. And I did an average of those five players, and their their collective ERA on average is a 3.92 ERA. But that was with just guessing that Lindblom's about a 3.90 because we have no idea what to think about Josh Lindblom. Um, moving on, and I, and I just want to talk about even if Suter's in the bullpen, that gives you a really good bullpen. And I'm going to list the 13 players that I think are, I assume are going to. We don't have to break down each individual player, but then we'll just give grades and stuff the same way we did with the other facets. So I got Josh Hader, Brent Suter, Freddie Peralta, Corey Knable, Alex Claudio, Corbin Burns, Bobby Wall, Ray Black, Jake Faria, Eric Yardley, Angel Perdomo, JP Fire Eisen is how it's pronounced, and David Phelps. Most of those guys like are good. Like I mean, so Josh Hader, of course, is going to be great. Brent Suter's great. Freddie Peralta, Knable. I mean. Our bullpen has been carrying us the last two years. I don't see any reason to believe that they're not going to continue to carry us. And we'll get to see some guys that we haven't seen yet, but there's no reason to believe we can't. And I believe it was Ray Black threw a 100-mile-per-hour fastball like a week or so ago. I saw it on Twitter. So he's throwing gas. Um, I'm going to give our bullpen a B plus. I think our bullpen is very good. I think our pitching is going to be our strong suit this year, which is not something I'm used to as a Brewers fan. But So, yeah, I'll give it a B plus. We'll move it over to Eric. What do you think of the bullpen? Oh, I like it. Uh, I stated in the video the other, I don't remember exactly what video, but uh, I think that Josh Hader, Corey Knable, and Alex Claudio are our new three-headed monster. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Drefters went bye-bye. So I think this year the three main faces in that bullpen are Knable, Hader, and Suter. 
Knable, Hader, and Claudio. Sorry. Um, two All-Stars. I mean, we got two All-Stars in that three right there, you know? And Claudio put in a lot of innings for us last year. He was more of a specialist. We'll see how that works out with that new three-batter uh, rule. But I think that that speaks well. We've got some young guys and some young talent. Um, you know, and, and some good guys that can go in. Like you said, if you if you don't use Brent Suter as a starting pitcher, you got him in the bullpen. He can go along. Uh, Burns, if he's come back, should be able to go along and Again, Freddie Peralta definitely goes goes long, and there's some new faces in there, and some some younger guys that are that are very exciting. So I would say I would give it a B plus. Yeah. Uh, I'm borderline A minus on this one because I like what I see with the bullpen, and like you said, it's it's been one of the the more exciting times. You know, last year we had fresh acquisitions of Moose and Grandal, and you know now we're looking, you know. So so acquisitions, but we still got this this bullpen monster with the addition of Canable coming back that looks awesome. Definitely, definitely. Um, uh, Seamus, what do you think of the bullpen? You think we got some some gas thrown in there? You think we got some good players in there? Absolutely. Um, I think you know. Obviously, the guys that that have already been mentioned and highlighted. The one that I'm gonna point out that I think is due for a real surprise kind of a bounce back was I was I was really kind of happy about the David Phelps pickup. Um, I think he has the potential to really kind of get it all together and and be be a dark horse, be kind of kind of like a wild card in that in that bullpen. I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, overall, I agree with the grade of a of a of a B plus. Um, like Eric alluded to, we've got given that Council is not one who has starters. He goes with the outgetter mentality. Having some of those guys that can go long, I think, is going to be very very beneficial. Um, I think this year is going to see the the culmination of the outgetter mentality see fruition in Milwaukee because he as much as councils implemented it the last couple of years the bullpen wasn't designed to have outgetters in it the rotation wasn't designed for outgetters versus starters i think now the way that both the rotation and the bullpen are put together it is designed for the outgetter mentality and the outgetter course to be run. Right, and with that 26th roster spot, that just adds another pitcher to the bullpen, and that just makes me even more excited for the bullpen. Black Josh, your thoughts and a grade on the uh, Brewers bullpen coming into 2020? I'm going with an A-. Yeah, I'm going love for it. it. You guys can all do your B+. I'm going A-. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't I don't see really any major issues in our bullpen. It was so good for us last year, other than a couple little hiccups, but nobody's ever perfect. Right. We're, we're not going to be perfect this year. It's never going to happen, but all in all, A-minus for sure. Great. I love to hear it. Yeah, I think our pitching, like I said, is our strong suit. Seamus, you keep alluding to it. Potential is the word you seem to keep using, and that's what this team is full of. We're here to make a – we're here to make a – in a division that's gotten so tight, 
in terms of uh, acquisitions for like the Reds, the St. Louis looking really good. The Cubs really haven't taken much of a step back, I don't think. We, we're going to be a surprise if we end up in a playoff position to a lot of people, and I don't see any reason to think that we can't take on these other teams. I want to go around and get everyone's, number one, the breakout player of the year. Who you think is going to surprise all of us and really make a splash and is going to be that that guy that's going to be on have a bobblehead next year for how good they do. And also I want to get who you think the team MVP is going to be for 2020. We'll start with you, Eric. Breakout, a breakout player and an MVP for the Brewers 2020 season. Uh, I'm going to be biased here, but uh, I think the breakout star is going to be Brent Suter. I yeah. think he's going to come in. And very handy. I like it. And uh, team MVP is probably gonna either. God, do you take it away from Yelich? I mean, do, you know, at this point, Yelich, even last year being hurt at the end of the season, he still is what drove them to. They did it for Yelly, you know. So I, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna go by default, and I'm just gonna say Yelich. It's hard to not say Yelich. We have like we have like the best player in the National League. On our team. And like you said, even even when he went down, he was the rallying force that drove the team to one win 18 to 20 games at the end of the season. So, yeah, it's hard not to say Christian Yelich. Uh, Seamus, your breakout player and your team MVP for 2020. Well, team MVP is is really easy, you know, given, given that we have number 22 Christian Yelich in, in our clubhouse. Um, if he doesn't, if, if for what, for some strange reason, he doesn't take it, I'm giving it to Locaine. I think he's going to have a fantastic year this year. Um, as far as breakout player, I'm going to agree with Eric and say that Suter is going to, going to be the breakout pitcher. Um, I think, and I, I'll admit that I'm biased on this one. I think Brock, Brock Holt is going to make David Stearns look really, really smart <laughs> by the time the season's over. Yeah, that sounds super biased. You're, from you. you're still a Red Sox homer even though you're not yep. going to watch him. Yep. Well, I just – it's not its not so much simply because he was a Red Sox. Yeah, it's is. because of the kind of – it's the kind of player he is. Now, I was – it was fortunate enough that I he was a Red Sox, so I got to see the kind of player he is. But given the kind of player he is, the kind of personality he has, the kind of mentality he has towards the game, he's going to make Stearns look really, really smart. Yeah, he's 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 a fan favorite kind of guy too. Like he's that, and he's he, he's like a Milwaukee guy. You know, he's he's just got that attitude. He brings his lunch pail to the clubhouse. Yeah, he's a perfect working class kind of Milwaukee kind of player, kind of embodies that Brewers spirit. And it's a good name to see on the back of a jersey. He's an easy name to call out when you're in the stands. I, 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 I'm with you. I think he is going to look David, make David Stearns look very smart. In a team where we're, we're predicated on depth, I think Brock Holt is an insanely good addition. We need utility players, and we have several of them. So that's a good, good pick. I like that. Black Josh, your breakout player and your MVP of 2020. Well, we'll just we'll go with the you know same thing. I got Yelich MVP for sure. He's back to back MVP no matter what anybody says. Um, as far as breakout player of the year, some of you might hate me, but I'm gonna say Arcia. I love it. <laughs> I am gonna say Arcia. He's gonna 
gonna come out and show you guys some things this year. It he's, might be it might be strikeouts, but he's gonna show you something. <laughs> he's still young. He's he still young. And and he's never had to fight for the he's never had to fight for the spot. He does now. Yeah. He yeah. knows that there's other people That's a really, really good point. He's got people that are looking to take his job. And if he wants to keep it, he's gonna have to fight for it. He's gonna have to. So I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have his breakout season. I really love that pick. I'm not gonna pick it myself. I do love Orlando RC. I've been following him since Double A Biloxi. I love that kid to death, and I hope the best for him. But it's real hard. It's really hard after last season because even his defensive metrics went down last year, which didn't make any sense to me. So I, I guess I'll agree. Uh, between I'm gonna pick two for team MVP. Just because, obviously, it's going to be Yelich. Number two, I'm going to say Brandon Woodruff. I think he's just going to be lights out. I think he's going to win 16 games this year. Um, I think Brandon Woodruff is going to be the pitching team MVP. In terms of breakout player for the Brewers, I kind of want to... I know this shouldn't really count. I want to say Lorenzo Cain. I think he's going to have a comeback year. I think he's going to hit near 300. I think he's going to hit 20 home runs. I think his defense is going to be as good as ever. You think he, Kane is going to hit 20 dingers? If he, any player can change their swing the way Yelich did and hit a bunch of home runs. But I also want to give a lot of credit to Omar Narvaez. I think he's going to make us all forget about Yasmani Grandal real quick. Even defensively, I think he's going to step his game up and he's going to hit a lot of home runs in Miller Park. I'm very excited for him, a catcher. Um, he's, he's a solid, solid addition. So with that... Um, I want to move on to our NL Central prediction and a little bit of playoff, like what what we think the division is going to look like come the end of September this year, where we think everybody's going to fall. I'll give my prediction and and everyone can get their, and I want to get everyone else's take. I got St. Louis going back to back. A lot of people are not picking St. Louis, and I don't know why anyone's sleeping on St. Louis because they're always in the mix. I got them winning 90 games at 90 and 72. I got Milwaukee finishing second because I'm a homer. I got Milwaukee going 88 and 74 and getting the wild card. I got Cincinnati at third with 84 and 78. I got Chicago going I got Chicago going under 500 at 80 and 82 and I got Pitts, wow. I got Pittsburgh only winning 61 games and losing over 100. Because they're garbage and they don't care about their franchise. So, yeah, like I said, I got St. Louis winning. I got the Brewers taking second and getting a wild card spot. Eric, your thoughts on the NL Central? Uh, I, I don't think I can I can even begin to say this. I, 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 I say this every year, but the, the Brewers are going to win over 90 games. Ooh. And uh, they're going to take the division. It is going to be a tight race. For second, Cincinnati is going to edge out St. Louis. Uh, no disrespect to St. Louis, but I think they've just they've shown some shown some age, and they're they're a contender. They're always a contender. I mean, I could be totally wrong. It's just a matter of I think Milwaukee edges it out. I think we're the sleeper this year, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams that come into town and. Uh, don't respect us. I hope the Cubs are, near, are at the bottom. I always want to put the Cubs at the bottom, but I, it's going to be the Cubs, not Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree. I, I, the one through four in this division is so together. Like they're all good teams. They could all win over. You know, they could all win over fifty percent of their games. Could and be yeah, a deadlock. Cincinnati's made some amazing additions. A lot of people are picking them to win the division just based on paper. 
But I think they need a little time to get together. But in the next three years, Cincinnati is going to go deep. For sure. I agree. I agree. I agree with that 100%. All right. Seamus, your thoughts on the division. How is it going to stack up? Um, I, I'm not going to give you wins and losses because I'm not that that crazy. But um, I am going to say <laughs> St. Louis, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Chicago, Pittsburgh. That's exactly how I want. All right. You think Milwaukee wins a wild card? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, love you. That's why you're my guy. <laughs> uh, Black Josh, how's it going to stack up? Uh, I'm going to agree with Eric. I think I think he nailed it. I love you guys more. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think he's got it head on. I think I think the Reds are going to knock a couple of couple of teams down. And I think the Cubs are going to be right at about right at about five hundred, little over five hundred. And then Pittsburgh's just going to—if they even win one game, I'll be happy for them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they even want to win one game, to be yeah, honest. I really I, don't think. I really, do. I really question ownership there. I'm. Hey, we we talk about Mark Adonacio operating at a loss and possibly lying to us and how we're not spending money, but hell, at least we're not Pittsburgh, right, guys? Yeah. Great. Oh, oh, in one sixty-two. That would be amazing. <laughs> Someone made a just sidetrack real quick, segue or not segue, just sidetrack. Someone said, "Oh, so they're going to add an, an, a game to the NFL season so the Lions can break the record of 0 and 16 and go 0 and 17." <laughs> I love it. I thought that was pretty funny. That's awesome. Just for fun, I broke down how I think the playoffs are going to shake out. Oh jeez. You've got way too much time on your hands. Yeah, I just it's just fun, and then I can hold myself accountable, and you can all make fun of me come season's end, because I was way off on all my predictions, just about all my predictions last year, but I think I did pick Washington to win the division. Um, but anyways, I got, for the wild card, in the, wild card in the National League, I got Milwaukee and Atlanta in the wild card. I got the Mets winning the East. I got St. Louis winning the Central, and I got the Dodgers winning the West. Um, I won't so get, you're saying Washington's going to fall off? I think. Well, I think the Mets. I think the Mets pitching staff's going to bring them up. I think they're going to finally look like a legitimate team. I think. Yeah, I got the Mets winning the East. I got Nationals finishing second in that division. Um, what do you guys think? Division wins and and uh, and the wild card. We can go around the table. Eric, what do you think? Oh, jeez. I haven't done this video yet, so I'm not. I'm not super, super prepared on this. I still think Nationals are going to be in the hunt. Uh, I don't think that they've lost enough. I mean, God, they added Eric Thames. That's got to be worth something. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I think that's that's when there's um, Brewers win ours, of course. Who you got in the West? You don't want to say the Dodgers, do you? It's going to be the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, does that, I mean, is that even is that question? No. Well, hey, Black Josh has the Rockies, right? Or was that Kyle? Kyle. Kyle has the Rockies for some reason in winning the West. I, I don't. Said, know. I said the Rockies last year. Okay. Yeah, Kyle for some reason he's not here, but we can make fun of him. He said the Rockies are going to win. I, they don't even want Ar- Nolan Arenado. It seems like so. I don't know why you'd think that. <laughs> uh, Seamus, she- who's going to win the divisions in the in the National League? Well, I'm, first of all, before I give mine, I want, you say you've got the Mets no, you're winning right. the East. Thank you for calling me and out. And the Braves. 
winning you. the wild card, but the Nationals are going to finish second. Thank you for calling me out. How's You're that right. going to work? Thank you for calling me out. I actually got the I got the Mets winning, and I got the Braves finishing second. I got the Nationals on the outside looking in. You're right. All right, just I was just kind of checking because that would have been that would have been really really interesting to watch. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't make any sense. All right, your take. Who's going to win the East, <laughs> Central, and West? Um, I say the Braves win the East. Yeah, tomahawk chop. And I'll say the Dodgers. The Dodgers will win the the West. But I'm also going to sit here and probably piss off a lot of people. You can add David Price to your lineup. You can add Mookie Betts. Or, uh, you can add David Price to your rotation. You can add Mookie Betts to your lineup. As long as you have Dave Roberts managing your team, you're not going to win a World Series. Ooh, shots fired. Hey, and Dave Roberts is the reason my Red Sox won the World Series in 2004. No, sign stealing it. Oh, I, no, I'm sorry. You, I was thinking 2018. Wrong year, wrong year. Wrong year, you're right. <laughs> 2004. But, yeah, Dave, Dave Roberts, if Dave Roberts doesn't steal second, the Red Sox don't win in 2004. But as long as he's managing the Dodgers, they will not win a World Series. Yeah, money on that? Uh, no. All right. Black Josh, your thoughts? Who's winning the divisions in the National League? Um, I'm going to go with the Nationals taking the East. Brewers are going to take uh, Central. And then obviously the fucking idiot Dodgers <laughs> are going to win. Um, so, wild card, I, I'll say uh, Braves. And uh, I'm going to say the Reds. Fuck it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Braves and Reds. Nothing wrong with that. I had a lot more I wanted to get to on our takes, but we can always continue that on another show. I went as far as to do NL and MVP, and I also did the American League. I got Dodgers-Yankees World Series. Um, (laughs) I think that'll be fun. Anyways, we're getting close to the hour, so we're going to close it off at that. Eric, we'd love to have you again just before the season starts, but we'll talk about that. I'd like you to stay on the line after we're done here just to talk to us for a little bit if you don't mind. Um, Give the people... uh, one more rundown on where they can find Miller Park Minute and all your other social media endeavors. Uh, yeah, go on over to YouTube, subscribe to Miller Park Minute. Don't worry, the name is not changing. I've heard that a lot as of lately. Did the name will be changing? No, no, there is no intentions. And I think I said that in the last podcast. Miller Park Minute, subscribe. Like, we're, we're, we're spitting fire. I mean, it's, it's getting, baseball's getting heated. There's a lot to talk about. I think I told, Told you that the other day, Robert. There is a lot to talk about, so I'll be uh, I'll be producing a lot of stuff in the coming weeks here. Um, I always link them up on Facebook, so if you go over to the Facebook page, you can see when I'm posting videos, uh, or you can just look in the community section. I usually say, "Hey, I'm coming out with the Manford video tonight," or something of that nature. So those are things to look forward to with my channel. Uh, as always, uh, go Brewers, man! Go Brewers! Go crew. Yeah, Eric's right. They are putting out a lot of content over there at the Miller Park Minute, so definitely stay tuned for that. There is a lot to talk about, and he covers it very well. And we love him here. He's he's our favorite guest we got. So with that, 5 Tool Podcast, we are out. And remember, don't widen the plate. That's it.